TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. From the WEEI studios, brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Heard in Boston and throughout all six New England states. Sports Radio 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1 Lawrence, Boston. An Odyssey station. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. in we are with you until midnight so if you want to weigh in are you offended that tom brady did not thank patriots fans at his retirement posts i've told you i am not offended whatsoever i don't believe he needed to he already did that so I, I would say get over it if you're pissed off about that but i want to mention this real quickly here as it pertains to brady and just some of the crazy numbers we've seen them before but how about this so brady as we know has 35 playoff wins although i would say now i tweeted 35 it's really 34 because remember he came out of that game against the Steelers and Bledsoe had to finish the job. Brady says in his documentary he couldn't have won that game against Fitz, uh, Pittsburgh. But nonetheless, 35 playoff wins. Manning and Montana. So Manning was Brady's chief rival during his prime, or during his first prime. He has like, had like four primes. And Joe Montana was the greatest of all time before Tom came around. So Brady, if you count it, or if you count Manning and Montana together, they have 30 playoff wins. Brady has 35. So he has five more than Manning and Montana combined. Brady, as we know, has seven Super Bowls. Manning and Montana have six. Think about how crazy that is. He dwarfs all the record books with everything. There's nobody that's going to approach him from a numbers perspective and an achievement perspective. As great as Pat Mahomes is, he's already played four years at the NFL, and he's had four opportunities really to win Super Bowls. This year, he blew a lead against the Bengals. Of course, we saw him get destroyed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, and Brady beat him in 18. Brady's 2-0 and against Pat Mahomes in the postseason. So the guy that was supposed to be the next great thing, Brady already beat him twice in the postseason. And think about how many bites at the apple you have to have to get seven. And that's what makes it so incredible that Brady's run was basically three different Hall of Fame careers. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Mike in Hamden. What's up, Mike? Hey, Brian. How you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Hey, I was uh, heading home here from work late night. I'd just been talking to my brother about this very thing, about how everybody was all worked out, uh, worked up about Brady not uh, thanking New England and, and uh, saying anything about the Patriots. And I was so glad to hear somebody, uh, you know, be the voice of reason to say, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, what was the context here, right? 
Right. He was debating whether he was going to come back to play for the Bucks for another year. So the team <laughs> that came in, swept in, gave him everything he wanted at the end of his career, all of his fans who had been so good to him when the Patriots had basically said, no, we don't think you're worth that. He's going to talk about the Patriots when they are completely deflated. Who was, who was it that was upset really most when he said he was, he was uh, retiring? The Patriots or the Bucks? It's the Bucks. He's on right. their team. They're hoping he's going to come back another yeah, year. Yeah, exactly, if Mike. The, the, fan, not only the Bucks, yeah, yeah, Mike. The Bucks fans, um, Bruce Arians, because remember, Bruce Arians said like two weeks ago he'd be shocked if Brady retired. Jason Light, the GM, like they put everything into keeping this a winner for Tom Brady, and now they're going to be in salary cap jeopardy. They don't have a quarterback right now. They get a second rounder in Kyle Trask, so he was placating to the Bucks fans, and Brady probably felt like, I already thanked the Patriots fans. I bet he didn't even That's think exactly about it at the time. Right. Like, it, I don't when think he it's left, like... When he left them, when he left them, he had his chance, and he he really, he was effusive in yeah. his praise and his love for the fans, but who were the people that were upset here? The, all of the fans that uh, were on the team that came in and gave him everything he wanted at the end of his career... Why would you talk about the Patriots right at that moment? <laughs> I'm the with Bucks you. fans are all deflated. Yeah, Mike, I'm with you, too, because think about this. He's going to have another, like, moment with the Patriots because he's obviously going exactly. into the Patriots Hall of Fame and he's going into Canton. So he's going to talk about the Patriots on both occasions. And, Mike, remember this, he's also got another documentary coming out, the final episode of Man in the Arena. He may mention the Patriots in that again. After, by the way, Mike, he already did seven episodes, like, praising Belichick and the Patriots organization. He did one negative one about when he knew it was time to leave and all that different type of stuff and the miserable year of 2017. But other than that, it's all effusive praise for Belichick, the organization, the guys that came before, like the guys that started it here with Brewski and Ty Law. Like it's all about praising the Patriots. I just felt like Patriots fans, man, they were way too sensitive today. Light, lighten up. He wasn't a Patriot at that time, right? Yeah. I think uh, I think he hit it on the head, and he's going to have his chance to do that again later if he wants to. But right now, I think it was just some talking heads ginning up something. It made me think of uh, another thing. I don't know if you saw some of the reports about Eli Manning's, uh, you know, what he said to him when he was retiring. They said, Eli Manning takes a shot at Brady. Well, if you listen to the video, it was there was no shot, and they were talking about where he mentioned you let me win a couple of Super Bowls, <laughs> and they 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 took it as though he's taking. Or like we cut it out. You're trying to gin up a story here, and I feel like it took in this thing with Brady. If nobody had said a word, the talking heads hadn't said anything. I don't think a lot of people would have looked at that and said, "How strange that a Tampa Bay Buccaneer who's retiring." Uh, who left them when they were all excited to have him back for another year, didn't talk about the team that he left. Yeah, I, I, I just think I'm with you. And like the Eli, the Eli so, thing, so Mike. For speaking reason. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate What's the call. That? The Eli thing, they're, they're buddies. Him, Peyton, and Eli are buddies. And when Brady went on their show, the Manning cast, Brady was joking around about with that with Eli. Eli, because Peyton was talking about his matchups with the Patriots, and Eli's like, Tom, I always enjoyed our matchups because Eli always beat Brady. So... Eli wasn't taking a shot at Brady when he said that today. He was praising him for his career accomplishment. And Eli's a funny guy, so he's got, like, this dry sense of humor. So he was being funny in his post there on Twitter. So I had no issue with what Eli did whatsoever. Let's get to Ryan. He's in a car. What's up, Ryan? Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing tonight? Good. How about yourself? 
I'm doing well. Yeah, so I, I appreciate the take the guy prior to us had. So actually, I have some inside scoops. So my brother-in-law's cousin works at Gillette. Okay. And uh, what he's telling me is that Tom wanted to sign a one-day contract with the Patriots to retire as a Patriot, but Bill, the GM, didn't offer him the contract. I'm not buying that, Ryan. That wouldn't be his call. That would be Kraft's call. Well, I mean, Bill offers the contract. He's the GM. Yeah, but if you don't think if Tom Brady, and by the way, he's still on a contract with the Bucks. but if Tom Brady wanted to come here and do a retirement ceremony, that Bill would say no, and Robert would be like, all right, Bill, we're not going to have Tom back to do this retirement ceremony? Come on. That's ridiculous. I don't know who your cousin is. I guess he works at Gillette, you said, but, I mean, I'm not buying that whatsoever. I'm not buying that for a second. I'm sorry. All right, I did want to mention this, too, real quickly about just some of the things that you look at the Patriots and what they were able to accomplish and Brady and what he was able to accomplish as a Patriot and what sort of separates them from all these other teams, right? So think about this. You've had all these other potential dynasties that were supposed to rise. You had the Rams with Kurt Warner and company and Marshall Falk. They had two MVPs on the team, of course, Warner and Falk. They win the Super Bowl. And then two years later, they get back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. This is supposed to be the new budding dynasty of the NFL because they had an incredible offense and they had really taken over the league. The Patriots beat them. And that in large part was due to Belichick and his game planning. They were beating up Torrey Holtz and Isaac Bruce at the line of scrimmage and they couldn't get off the line. And any time Marshall Falk was on the field, which he was on the field the whole game, but even like after the play where he wasn't getting the ball, they were just lighting his ass up. The Willie McGinnis's of the world, the Teddy Bruskies of the world. So that first Super Bowl destroyed that Rams dynasty because after that, Warner ends up getting injured. They eventually turn to Mark Bolger. Now, Warner would have a renaissance. He goes to New York, not really the same guy. He goes to the Cardinals and he makes it to a Super Bowl. But they destroy that dynasty, Brady and Belichick did. And then you flip forward a little bit. And we get to the next decade. And the Patriots had gone 10 years between Super Bowls. And really part of the equation for that is that team aged out. And then really from nine to, I would say, 12 and into 13 a bit. All 13, the defense got better at the end of the season after the trade for Aqib Tlaib. But nonetheless, that was a dry spell for the defense. They were horrible. Like Brady took one of the worst defenses in NFL history to the Super Bowl when they played the Giants. And even that defense, I would say, it did came, come on briefly at the end of the year there. They showed signs. But nonetheless, once you get to 2013... You have Peyton Manning go to Denver, and you have this Seattle team that's coming on. And you got Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas and the second-year quarterback at that time and Russell Wilson in 2014. But in 13, that team destroys Peyton Manning. And it was an embarrassment, right? Like, the Seahawks just gave it to the Broncos. It's like, holy crap. This team's going to be here for a long time. Bobby Wagner, I forgot on that team. Marshawn Lynch, of course. They were loaded. They got Hall of Famers all over the place. You think about it. Marshawn Lynch probably going to the Hall of Fame. Richard Sherman probably going to the Hall of Fame. That team was loaded. Okay. The Patriots beat them in 14. That was supposed to be the next dynasty in the NFL. That's Seattle Seahawks team. And really what that did, and part of it is Brady just lit up that secondary in the second half. He goes 13, of, in the fourth quarter in particular, he goes 13 of 15 for a buck 24 and two touchdowns. So, and remember, the Patriots couldn't run against Seattle. So they knew that the Patriots had to throw, and Brady still tore them apart. And then, of course, he had the Malcolm Butler interception. 
And that really, quite frankly, that just ruined the Seattle Seahawks. They were never the same team after that. So you ruin that dynasty. Okay, let's flip forward a couple of years later. 2018, the Chiefs are the new team in the NFL. And here come the Chiefs. And they get all the way to the AFC Championship, and they're waiting for the Patriots to go to Arrowhead. Bill Belichick does his part in the first half, basically shuts down Pat Mahomes. The second half, Pat Mahomes wakes up. And then what happens? Brady, three third and tens, two to Edelman and two to or to one to Rob Gronkowski. They beat the Chiefs in their building, so they stop them from their first championship. The second year, the bad year for the Patriots in nineteen, Brady's final season. The Chiefs get to the Super Bowl. They beat Jimmy Garoppolo and company in large part because Kyle Shanahan can't run his nose. The guy can't manage a clock, right? So that game happens. All right, but then Brady ends the Chiefs from winning two out of the last three, or excuse me, winning two in a row by beating them in the Super Bowl last year. So, And by the way, Brady and Belichick never let Peyton Manning get more than one as a member of the Indianapolis Colts. He will get a second one with Denver, although he barely got a second one with Denver because he could barely throw the football that was all about their defense. But the point being, all these other teams that were supposed to be potential dynasties never happened because of Brady and the Patriots. And you could even make an argument, and I know this is going to piss off Patriots fans, that Brady ruined the Patriots dynasty. Because when Brady left the Patriots dynasty, they went 7-9 with Cam. And this past season, and look, things look upwards with Mac Jones, right? But you went 10-7, and and you got absolutely crushed in the first round of the postseason to now the team in your division and the team of the division, Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills. So you can make an argument that by leaving, Brady actually ruined the Patriots dynasty as well. But it is fascinating just to think about, like the Chiefs in particular, you could make an argument that that team for four years has been more talented than the Patriots ever have been. Now, in particular, the 14 team and the 04 team, and I know 07, obviously, but they didn't win. The 14 Patriots are incredibly talented when they had the hired gun in Darrell Revis. You had a young Chandler Jones who was, rushing the quarterback like crazy towards the end of the season. You had a young Dante Hightower. Gronk was healthy at that point, coming off the injury in 13. You had Edelman. You had Amendola. You had LeGarrette Blunt. That team was absolutely loaded. But other than 04, of course, when you had Rodney and you had Brewski and you still had McGinnis and you had a prime Richard Seymour who was very young in his career. And offensively, you had Deion Branch, who had turned into a legitimate bona fide number one option for Brady. So you had a really good team in 04, a really good team in 14. But in terms of just loaded roster, I would say this Chiefs loaded roster for four years is more talented than the Patriots that last five-year run where they won three out of five, where they played in four Super Bowls, but they won three of them. That roster that the Patriots had in that era, if you will, was not as talented as this Chiefs roster, but the Patriots cash in. They win three of five. The Chiefs didn't. They've won one of four. Now, they're going to have more opportunities going forward, but that roster is going to have to start to have some serious turnover in the coming years. All right. Tom Brady's just about done. He <laughs> is going to fall off a cliff. Yeah, that is Kellerman. And Kellerman, I give him credit. He admitted on his show today that Tom Brady has had a Hall of Fame career since he made that claim. Because do you remember when that he said that? He said that in July of 2016, July 28th to be exact. Since then... Brady has won three Super Bowls. He's been the Super Bowl MVP twice. He's played another Super Bowl, and he's won an MVP. He's had a Hall of Fame career since he was supposed to fall off the cliff. How about this? Max Kellerman was off first take before Brady ever fell off any cliff. That's how long Brady has not fallen off the cliff. 
All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you want to weigh in on this, are you upset at all that Tom Brady did not mention the Patriots in his retirement statement? I'm not whatsoever. I've explained that throughout the night. But I do want to get to this Brian Flores story and why it already is looking really bad from the NFL. We'll get to that next here on EI. The exclusive home of Red Sox baseball. Now here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, Tom Brady made it officially official today, announcing his retirement on his Instagram page. Brady saying, quote, I have loved my NFL career, and now it's time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. Brady did not mention the Patriots in his post. Patriots fans seem to be pissed about that. He did later respond to Robert Kraft's statement saying, quote, Thank you, Patriots Nation. I'm beyond grateful. Love you all. Brian Flores is filing a class action lawsuit against the NFL. He also named the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants in that suit. He claims Miami owner Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 for every loss in the 2019 season in hopes they could get the number one pick in the 2020 draft. He also claimed Ross set up a meeting with a prominent quarterback under contract, which would have violated the league's tampering rules. Flores alleges the Giants interviewed him last month for their head coaching vacancy for no other reason than compliance with the Rooney rule, which requires teams to interview minority candidates for their open positions. Flores alleges he received a series of texts from Bill Belichick to prove his claim. Those texts are in his lawsuit. The Seas will host the Hornets on Wednesday night. The Bees beat the Kraken 3-2. David Pasternak with a pair of goals. Taylor Hall the other one. This was the final game for the Bees until after All-Star Weekend. They'll host the Penguins on the 8th. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The home of Patriots Monday. With Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Is Sports Radio WEI. For all station contest rules, go to WEI.com and click Contests and Events. That's WEI.com and click Contests and Events. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. Yeah. And you say, Shy City. Shy City. Shy City. I'm coming home again. Do you think about me now? 
All right, how about this? So, Ted Johnson, of course, former Patriot, he does work for NBC Sports Boston. He's on there tonight, and he says that Robert Kraft had a temper tantrum after Tom Brady left the Patriots out of his retirement announcement. I knew Kraft would be the most offended by this. I knew he would. He's too sensitive. Obviously, he's pissed off by this. Unreal. I'm not personally. He already thanked the Patriots. He already thanked the fans. He already thanked Belichick. He already thanked Kraft. And Kraft pulled a temper tantrum, according to Ted Johnson today, after the Patriots are left out. This is what I'd say to Kraft. You made your own bed here, man. If you really, now, you chose Bill over Tom. If you really wanted Tom to be here, you could have chose Tom over Bill. That's the reality of it. So don't act like Tom at this point owes you anything. All right, so ridiculous to me. <laughs> By the way, I did like that part in Tom Brady's statement where he says the Glazer family gave me everything I wanted. Yeah, Patriots uh, didn't spend the money that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Tampa Bay second in money spent this season in terms of on their players. The Patriots, in the last decade with Brady, they averaged 17.8 in terms of where they ranked in spending at the NFL. So that was a subtle shot at Robert Kraft and the Patriots. I guarantee you on that. But I did want to move to the Brian Flores situation, by the way. And if you do want to weigh in on Brady, are you upset that he wasn't here or he didn't mention Patriots fans in a statement? You can. It's 617-779-7937. So if you haven't heard, so the Brady was the Brady news was the big news of the day for about four hours. And then we got this bombshell from Brian Flores, who is suing the NFL. He's filed a class action lawsuit against the league. And in particular, he's named the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. So there's a lot of tentacles to this story. I think where we should start is here locally. So right at the beginning of his lawsuit, he mentions Bill Belichick in terms of he's using text that Belichick and him had to prove his point. And the point he is making about the Giants is essentially that the only reason they interviewed him was essentially to be in compliance with the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule changed again in 2020, where teams have to interview two external minority candidates. So the the Giants interviewed Pat Graham, who was an internal candidate, and they interviewed Leslie Frazier. But they needed to hire, or excuse me, they needed to interview one more minority candidate, and that was going to be Brian Flores. So here's where this whole thing starts. Flores puts in the lawsuit, or his lawyers put in the lawsuit, the text messages between himself and Bill Belichick. So this is what Bill texts Flores. Sounds like you've landed. Congrats. Meaning like you landed the job. And Flores says back to Bill, did you hear something I didn't hear? Question mark. And Belichick says, Giants, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. I didn't know Bill was going to use those many question marks or that many question marks. But then Flores says, I interview on Thursday. I think I have a shot. Bill says, got it. I hear from Buffalo and the New York Giants that you're their guy. Hope it works out for you if you want it to. Two exclamation marks. Bill's big into the exclamation marks. Flores texts back, that's definitely what I want. I hope you're right, Coach. Thank you. But, Coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dayball? Just making sure. Belichick says, sorry, I bleeped this up. I can't say that word. I double-checked and misread the text. I think they're naming Dayball. I'm sorry about that, BB. So here's the thing. 
Dayball hadn't, or excuse me, Flores hadn't interviewed for the job yet. And Flores is getting texts from Bill congratulating him on the job. So Bill, what I believe to have been the case, now there's different theories on this, I believe that Bill thinks he's texting Brian Dayball. And if you go on your phone, right, and you go, if you have an iPhone and you go to your contacts and you just type in whatever name, say it's John, and all your Johns come up. So if you type in Brian and your Bill Belichick, of course, he's got Brian Belichick. We know Brian Flores, Brian Dayball on his phone. So if he types in Brian, obviously Dayball, unless he's got a Brian E that he knows, Dayball is going to be right on top of Flores in terms of where they are in his contacts. So what I think happened is Belichick just accidentally texted Brian Dayball instead of Brian Flores. So he's texting Dayball, who he's already heard is getting the job. The problem is he's actually texting Brian Flores, and Flores hasn't had his interview with the Giants yet. So to Flores's point in the lawsuit, he, if these texts are accurate, what they're in the lawsuit, right, he actually is proving that the Giants are just doing this interview so it's in compliance with the Rooney Rule. So you're actually catching the Giants in this. Now, the Giants released a statement, and they say, we're pleased and confident with the process that resulted in the hiring of Brian Dayball. We interviewed an impressive and diverse group of candidates. The fact of the matter is, Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was the most qualified to be our next head coach. Here's the problem with that statement. If these texts are proven to be accurate from Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, it appears that the Giants had already made their decision on Brian Dayball before Brian Flores even had his interview. So that's the problem that the Giants run into in all this. And this is a massive lawsuit, by the way, in terms of the issues for the league and just the length of the lawsuit. Now, here's a couple of other things from this. So let's go to the Broncos as well. So he claims the Broncos put him through a sham interview three years ago and that they never had an intention of considering for the job the Broncos hired Vic Fangio shortly after Flores' interview. So here's what it says directly from the lawsuit. In 19, Mr. Flores was scheduled to interview with Denver. However, the Broncos' then-general manager John Elway, President and Chief Executive Officer Joe Ellis, and others showed up an hour late to the interview. They looked completely disheveled, and it was obvious that they had been drinking heavily the night before. It was clear from the substance of the interview that Mr. Flores was interviewed only because of the Rooney Rule, and the Broncos never had any intention to consider him as a legitimate candidate for the job. Shortly thereafter, Vic Fangio, a white man, was hired to be the head coach of the Broncos. Now, the Broncos did respond. They say the allegations from Brian Flores directed toward the Broncos in today's court filing are blatantly false. Our interview with Mr. Flores regarding our head coaching position began promptly at the scheduled time of 7.30 a.m. on January 5th, 2019, in a Providence, Rhode Island hotel. There were five Broncos executives present for the interview, which lasted approximately 3.5 hours, the allotted full time, and concluded shortly after 11 a.m. Pages of detailed notes, analysis, and evaluations from her interview demonstrate the depth of her conversation and sincere interest in Mr. Flores as a head coaching candidate. Our process was thorough and fair to determine the most qualified candidate for our head coaching position. The Broncos will vigorously defend the integrity and the values of our organization and its employees, from such baseless and disparaging claims. So here's the problem with this part of the lawsuit. Now, the Giants think it appears they have the smoking gun, which is the text messages between Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. But in the Broncos one, it's going to be tough to prove this. This seems like more of a he said, he said type of situation in terms of 
what Flores is accusing the Broncos of. With the Giants one, if those text messages turn out to be real, which we have no reason to believe they're not, we've seen the text messages. They're actually right here in the lawsuit. You can actually read the text messages. So they actually have the smoking gun in the Giants one. With the Denver Broncos situation, they don't really have the smoking gun. Now, let's get to the Dolphins for a second, because he's also suing the Dolphins. Flores claims that Stephen Ross offered to pay him an extra $100,000 per loss during the 19th season. So he was paying him to lose. He wanted him to lose games to tank, because Ross wanted the number one pick in the 2020 draft, which, of course, ended up being Joe Burrow. Flores claims that Ross tried to get him to recruit a prominent quarterback who was under contract with another team in violation of tampering rules. And Joe Shad, who covers the Dolphins in Florida, reported that guy was Brady. Flores refused to do so. So he was trying to get Flores to do this for a while. And now it makes sense it would be Brady because, of course, Flores had a previous relationship with Tom from their time together in New England. So he had been trying, Stephen Ross, to get Brian Flores to try to recruit Tom Brady to come to Miami when he became a free agent. Flores wouldn't do it. So then all of a sudden, they had a situation where... He was meeting Ross for lunch, and he didn't know that the quarterback was going to be there, Tom Brady. And remember, Stephen Ross, Michigan guy, Brady, Michigan man, all that, the connection there, both went to Michigan. So Brady's meeting with Stephen Ross, allegedly, this is according to the lawsuit, and they don't name Brady, but other reporters have come out and named that that guy was Brady. And all of a sudden, Brian Flores thinks he's just meeting with the owner, and what happens? Uh Uh-oh. The prominent quarterback's there. Brady's there. So when he finds out that's the case, Flores says, no, I'm not doing this. I'm leaving. Because Flores had a relationship with Tom, but he wasn't going to violate the NFL's tampering rules, even though the owner of the team was. So then Flores claims that the Dolphins defamed him in the media and league circles as difficult to work with. He said, quote, this is reflective in the lawsuit, I should say. This is reflective in all too familiar angry black man stigma that is often casted upon black men who are strong in their morals and convictions, while white men are coined as passionate for those very same attributes. See, I give Flores a ton of credit for this because you have heard over the past couple of weeks all this stuff getting out through the media in terms of, oh, Brian Flores had a bad relationship with this guy. Brian Flores had a bad relationship with this guy. Remember, at first it was Flores and Greer, and it was Flores and Tua. And this, remember this report came out that, oh, Flores was saying, I should have taken Mac Jones over you. Remember that whole thing that Mike Lombardi said? So all this stuff is getting out that is trying to rationalize moving on from Flores, right? Because Flores just had a winning season with Miami. He had back-to-back winning seasons. I believe Brian Flores is a really good football coach, especially from a defensive perspective. Guy's got a really good scheme. He blitzed more than anybody but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? So he's got a unique scheme. He obviously gets players to play for him because they tried to give away his entire roster basically in 2019, and they were still a competitive team down the stretch of that season. So essentially what he's saying is this stuff that's being put out there through the media, this crap about me and my relationship with my players and how I'm difficult to work with, it's a complete lie. And now what we're finding out when we peel it back is Stephen Ross was actually asking this guy, according to Flores that he puts out there, he was asking him to do ridiculous things like break NFL rules by recruiting Tom Brady or by taking $100,000 to tank the season. And that is not going to sit well with the rest of the owners across the league. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Sean. He is in Idaho tonight. Sean, what's up, man? 
Hello there. Uh, thanks for taking my call, uh, Brian. Look, I called a few hours ago to talk about Brady, and of course, yeah, Brian Flores. I mean, it's too bad about with all the stuff we always have to face every day with all these scandals and people blowing stuff out of proportion and stuff. But I do have to tell you, Brian, you know, um, I am, of course, the big Red Sox fan, the Bruin fan, the Patriot fan, the Celtic fan. I follow the Red Sox more than the Bruins, Patriots, and Celtics. Brian, I know that you haven't discussed this tonight because it's all been Brady talk. And, you know, of course, what you mentioned with Flores. But my question to you is, do you think baseball season is in jeopardy this year? Because it just talks did not go well for the MLB today. I'm getting more concerned, and I know that Mutt at night, Mutt had told me a few hours ago that he was concerned that baseball could be in jeopardy. What's your thoughts about that? I don't see it happening in terms of I don't see them not playing a season, Sean. There's too much money there. I don't see it happening either. No, and the fact is we've got the pandemic. We've got a problem. I mean, I'm not going to try to scare everybody, but, you know, we have to be concerned about – what's going on with Russia, what's going on with China. I mean, we've got threats of war that is getting louder and louder, and it could impact the MLB season. Look, I've studied history. I went to college, and I got a good degree out of uh, the University of Fort Hayes State University, one of the top online schools in Kansas. And I'll tell you all this, too. Uh, baseball, even during World War II, there were times that they had to call games because of what was going on in the Second World War. I mean, I'm not trying to scare you all, okay, but right now our country's Wait, got on, a lot Sean. of things hold, that hold we're on, going through. I mean, you're saying a lot of stuff here. So you think there's going to be a world war? I think we're close. Russia remains a dangerous threat to the United States. Putin is a scary person. It's got visions of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I think we're. I hope we don't have to go to world war, but I think we're close because of how bad the situation is. And baseball, in my opinion, you're you're right about it. There is so many problems with it. I don't possibly see a season happening. 2020 was a joke to play Major League Baseball. We should have never played that season. Why? That 60-game season was a joke. Why? What do you mean? It's a joke. You thought they because should've... we should have never – because it was a Why? public health crisis. Okay. It was a public health crisis. It so wasn't how did, that, how did that affect the players? What do you mean? The point was is that it wasn't safe to play. We had six games. How is it not games. safe? We they had... all played. Like, I mean, it's not like because... any of the MLB players got, like – you had the Eduardo Rodriguez myocarditis situation. Then they played in front of no fans. So I don't know what you're talking about. Because the Miami Marlins, remember, the last weekend in July, they were the ones that tested positive for COVID because so, Sean, they didn't obey the rules. So they should have just played yeah, and yeah, they should have yeah. just said, you know what, let's make no money whatsoever. Let's just call it off until it's safe to play. It wasn't the right thing, time to do it, and sports was in bad shape. It was a disposition. May, you know, the bubble, yeah, I would argue, Sean, that sports helped. Sports helped people. They actually, like, I appreciate the call, but, man, I don't know where the hell we're going tonight. We went from a situation where we were talking about him asking me if I think that Major League Baseball and the players are going to have an agreement, which I think eventually they will. Like, I understand these two sides hate each other, but they're going to have to work together because they can't afford to miss a season. That's just the reality of where they are in the marketplace. They cannot miss time. They can't risk losing fans. They need to get fans. Major League Baseball does. But I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's talking about he's worried about a world war. And then he comes back to the fact that in 2020 – they shouldn't have played. I could not agree with that more. Now, I, I can put together an argument about why I believe the Dodgers World Series is fake because if you look at Major League Baseball, part of it is making it to the finish line, making it the 162 games, right? 
Because if you think about it just from, and this is going down a complete rabbit hole, but Clayton Kershaw gets hurt every year. Clayton Kershaw got hurt last season. He wasn't available for them in the postseason. Well, when you only have to play 60 games, Clayton Kershaw is not going to get hurt, right? So it doesn't really crown the true champion in baseball as it ordinarily would. So I could get it into an argument about that being a fake World Series for the Dodgers, and quite frankly, I'd say it was a fake World Series to the Dodgers. But to say that was a mistake for Major League Baseball to play, if anything, the problem for Major League Baseball that year is they didn't come to an agreement quick enough where they missed games and they missed having just them being the showcase in the country because they couldn't come to an agreement quick enough. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about in terms of they shouldn't have played. What was the big deal about them playing? There wasn't fans. They were out there playing. They were getting tested all the time. So everybody that played, like, was it wrong for the NBA to go to the bubble? No, I think the sports league did us all a favor as a country because remember how crappy that was for, what was it, six months? We had no freaking sports, basically, from when the conference tournaments were supposed to be going on in college basketball. They started canceling all those. Then we had no NCAA tournament. Then the NBA was put on hiatus in March of 2020. And then baseball season, they had to get guys out of spring training, and that was pushed back. The NFL season did start in time, but remember, that wasn't until September. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And, I mean, he went from talking to—I don't even know what happened. He went from talking about the MLB negotiations to the MLB may not have a season because it's going to be another world war. Like, man, could this get any darker? What the hell's going on tonight? I don't know what I signed up for. Jeez. Unbelievable. Oh, I'm going to try to get back to—I'm going to try to get back to the Flores thing in a a second here, but I I don't know how you recover from that. My word. That was something else. He's mad about everything. Unreal. Got Putin talk tonight, too. Oh, so actually, you know what? I'll wait to get back to the Flores stuff because just real quickly on the baseball thing, that's a sport that has had significant issues for years in terms of now. They do great with money. They do great in terms of selling television rights and all that different type of stuff. Like That is certainly true about Major League Baseball. But sometimes their commissioner hurts the league. For example, he called the World Series trophy a hunk of metal. Okay, that's the problem with Major League Baseball. The biggest issue with them is the commissioner of the league is a complete buffoon and a complete idiot. That's the problem with the sport. All right, let's get to Ray. He's in California. What's up, Ray? Hey, good evening, Brian. How's it going? Good. How are you, man? Good, good. So about Brian Flores. Um, so when this whole thing came out, I think Flores himself made a statement that he said, like, there's a chance that I pretty much just sacrificed my coaching career, you know, coming forward yeah. with this lawsuit. So chances are I feel like no other team is going to, you know, hire him. So I feel like the Patriots could take a chance on him because I feel like Bill Belichick is not going to, you know, care for you know this lawsuit and this kind of stuff and oh. the patriots need to i think you know replenish some coaching talent because over the last few years they've lost a lot of talent like coaching wise you had you know flores originally he left in 2019 and he took like half the coaching staff with him like chad o'shea and you know a couple of others and then scarnick here retired and now josh McDaniels is gone and mayo might be on his way out too so 
if there's a chance, I think Belichick should bring Flores back. Oh, Ray, I'm with you. I mean, if they can bring Flores back, and I appreciate the phone call, if they can bring Flores back, I'd do it in a second. The guy's an outstanding defensive mind. And we saw what he did with the Patriots. Went going from Patricia to Flores, the defense got better with Flores. And he's done a really good job there in Miami defensively. So if Flores wants to come back, I would do it in a second. I would do it yesterday if he wanted to. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. I did want to get to where the NFL made a critical error today in response to Brian Flores. We'll do that next here on EEI. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. bringing us down tonight bringing down the mood that was something else but i did want so before i get back to flores i want to get to this real quick and by the way if you still want to weigh in on the brady situation or this flores lawsuit you can at 617-779-7937 i don't want to get to this real quickly though have you seen this report that now multiple people are reporting that jim harbaugh plans on taking the minnesota vikings job so this is absolutely nuts so Jim Harbaugh just has his first unbelievable season at Michigan. He goes to the playoffs now. He gets his ass kicked once he gets there. But the point being, he got to the playoff, right? And he finally beat Ohio State. And tomorrow, here's the most incredible thing about this whole story. He's expected to, according to reports, accept the Michigan job tomorrow. Tomorrow, in college football, February 2nd is National Signing Day. So Jim Harbaugh, on the day that is like one of the most pivotal days to his university, he's going to leave to take the head coaching job with the Minnesota Vikings. This is absolutely insane. Absolutely crazy. Jim Harbaugh coming out of left field to get the Minnesota Vikings job. Hey, I guess if you're Harbaugh, like that year was probably an outlier for Michigan. You're not going to routinely beat Ohio State. I mean, look at the history of that rivalry since, like, the beginning of the century. You don't beat Ohio State. That's just a reality of where you're at. So maybe Harbaugh looks at it like I've kind of topped out there. But, man, as somebody that went to Michigan, played at Michigan, and has been there for, what, seven years now, whatever it is, six, seven years now, you're going to leave your university like that? I feel like that's a horrible look for Harbaugh. I get why he wants to get back to the NFL, but I just feel like that's a horrible look. Leaving Michigan at this point in the season or at this point in the recruiting cycle, if you will, on National Signing Day, you're going to leave. And then what do you do if you're Michigan? Now, Pete Thamel of ESPN is reporting. They're looking at Matt Rule. That's one of the guys they're targeting if Harbaugh ends up leaving. So what would that mean for the NFL? I mean, you got another head coaching opening. Unreal. So somebody, you could have another coaching shirts with Carolina in a couple of weeks. And they may do Carolina a favor because Matt Rule sucks. Uh, that guy's an atrocious coach. He fires Joe Brady like Joe Brady's the problem. When Matt Rule has come out and said, hey, he wants a 50-50 running split, he challenged Sam Darnold 
to run for what was, I forget, Mutt knows the exact number. I think it was like, he challenged Sam Darnold to run for 80 yards in a game. Like, that's your quarterback, man. Why are you challenging him to run the ball? So maybe you do Carolina a favor if Michigan decides to hire a guy like Matt Rule. But, man, it's absolutely insane what's going on right now with the NFL and all these coaches changing places. But anyway, so as we were talking about earlier, the Flores lawsuit here, here was the NFL's response to that. Quote, the NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. All right. They didn't really say anything there, but fine. Okay, whatever. You're putting out a statement. That's fine. Diversity is core to everything we do. And there are a few issues on which our clubs and internal leadership spend more time on. Okay, fine. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. Whoa. Uh, how do you say that if you're the NFL? So Brian Flores' lawsuit came out early afternoon, or I should say mid-afternoon. The NFL releases their statement a little after 5 o'clock. So probably not even two hours, if you look at the timeline exactly, have passed since Brian Flores' lawsuit was public or became public, public knowledge. It was put out there. So two hours after that, you're saying if you're the NFL, we will defend against these claims which are without merit. Okay, my first question would be this. How do you know they're without merit? Have you actually done an investigation into what happened with Stephen Ross and whether or not he was telling Brian Flores, if you lose games, I'll pay you $100,000? Do you know that there wasn't a quarterback meeting with Stephen Ross that was under contract with another team and they tried to get Brian Flores to the meeting? Do you know that these text messages with Bill Belichick aren't the smoking gun and what he's claiming about the Giants? Do you know the Broncos situation? is untrue. How could the NFL already know all this information within two hours? This lawsuit was legitimately just filed. It's amazing to me that the NFL has the audacity to put out a statement like that, which say, says, which are without merit. We'll defend against these claims, which are without merit. See, I expected them to put out a statement, but I expected them to be like how the statement began, which was generic. It would be fluff. It would be giving them nothing. It would just be saying, essentially, we're aware of this and we're looking into it. Instead, they go a total step further and they say, we'll defend against these claims, which are without merit. For like, look, Roger Goodell has constantly screwed up things in this league. He screwed up basically every suspension he's ever given out. Deflategate, joke of a suspension. Bounty gate, joke of a suspension. The Ray Rice situation. Clearly, they went too easy on Ray Rice. Like, every time that Roger Goodell doles out punishment in the NFL, he gets it wrong. And now his league releases this type of statement after a lawsuit was just filed or it just made public to us two hours ago. And you're claiming that everything that Brian Flores is saying is untrue. None of it has any merit whatsoever. I mean, it's an idiotic stance and an idiotic statement for the NFL to put out there. Just absolutely ridiculous. Thanks to Zeke for producing. I'll be back with you tomorrow night. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. Here's what you missed on Gretchen Keith.
Adam Gase has been brought. I don't want that. He has a long history of making players worse. Ryan Tannehill is the one that jumps to mind. But there were even other guys down there like Devontae Parker and Mike Jacecki, who as soon as he left, they got a whole lot better. So I want nothing to do with Adam Gase. Mike Francesa appears to rip fought while ripping Adam Gase. I guess we'd have that soundbite to play I all year long. Fresh and Keith. Middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio WEEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.